In this episode, we're talking with Strata consultant Michael Tees, and we're going to explore the possible consequences of building a lot of apartments fast as we ramp up supply of new dwellings. The elephant in the room here is, are we doing Strata right? Are we ready for a drastic increase in Strata dwellings? Have we learned from our mistakes of the past? And are there lessons we could and should be learning about best practice from around the world? Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent and buyer's agent mentor, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia, author of Auction Ready and co-host of Your First Home Buyer Guide. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker, recently ranked number five in Australia out of over 18,000 brokers in the annual MPA Top 100 Mortgage Broker Award. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of an appropriate and experienced professional. Our guest today is Strata consultant Michael Tees. Michael has been in Strata either as an academic, lawyer, manager or investor for 40 years and undertakes research on Strata issues at the City Futures Research Centre at the University of New South Wales. I've listened to him on a number of podcasts and read his posts on LinkedIn and he doesn't mince words. So we're looking forward to no holds barred chat on his worldview of Strata and how what's happening overseas might play out in Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michael. It's great to meet you. You're very welcome. It's nice to be here. Michael, um, we've done oh, so many episodes we've done, to be honest, a lot over five years we've been doing this. And, you know, I think it's always good to get a worldview Um and to zoom out, really, I mean, we always think Australia's problems are unique. Um, you know, even on the SMA so, today, the global problem with property. I mean, Strata is, is, you know, we're not the only country in the world that, you know, has multi-dwelling, um, you know, options. Um, what's, how do we stack up? Like, where are we good? Where, where, are we, where do we really, you know, yeah. obviously tenancy rights and short leases is one, you know, that might we not be great yeah. at. But where are we good? Where's really, yeah. I think we're very good at strata um, and I've had the fortune over the last couple of years of doing a lot of work in um, in London and in Vancouver and in Spain, uh, in particular where I've met with people and discussed strata issues, met government officers. I even got the opportunity to speak at the House of Commons recently where I was able to say to the, the parliamentary members, it was a cross-party um, group that were looking at um, introducing common hold in uh, England, which is a, a form of strata. And I was able to point out to them the the, the very good things that we've done in strata. Um, but of course, no system is perfect and um, uh, and strata has its problems. Um, and I think in, in current times, there are really particular problems on a worldview. We've got aging buildings everywhere. We've got building defects everywhere. We've got suboptimal building products um, that are being built into buildings um, all around the world. Um, people in the last 20 years had a light touch on, on building regulation. I say that with the exception of France and uh, Germany. I was at a conference recently and um, the French and German academics couldn't understand um, all this nonsense about getting developers to do what they do, they just put them in jail. Um, so that was a, a pretty good solution, and they were quite quite perplexed by why we um, didn't do that. Perhaps we yeah. should. <laughs> that might be an idea for David Chandler, the building commissioner, who um, 
has got all the powers in the world, I think, except for the ability to jail someone. But I know yeah. it really, it really liked that power. It would, it would suit I th- him. I think he would. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. he would. But he'd use it fairly. Yeah. He's an interesting character, actually, David Chandler. And for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he is the building commissioner in New South Wales. In fact, I think he's got another title now, doesn't he, Michael? But uh, His office has been extended uh, and, and he's gone from like 12 employees to 400. So he's a very powerful man in New South Wales and doing some great things. Um, mm. I, I'm a big fan. Um, I think when you have someone like him come along and try and clean up an industry, um, toes are going to get stepped on, egos are going to get bruised, um, and all of that is necessary to to make important change. And um, and he's done that. Um, some of the things he's done, some might um, query um, his methods, um, but you know. The, the evidence is there, um, and I can tell from my dealings with strata people and strata developers that people understand that the rules have changed in New South Wales, and um, near enough is not good enough anymore. We've got an enormous legacy of, of 20 years of badly built buildings that have to be fixed, but New South Wales is getting on with the job, and the rest of Australia is just twiddling their thumbs. And that's an interesting thing, too, because we were, in New South Wales, we were the worst. Uh, Dr. Nicole Johnson wrote a report mm. some years ago, and that, that just sort of touched the skin, the surface, really, in, in, by her own admission. But she, but it was quite clear that New South Wales were, were, had the, the gold medal for the most amount of yeah. defects um, in buildings. But, you know, and whilst David is cleaning up um, the development uh, side of things uh, for future dwellings like you said there's a 20-year legacy of poorly built no. uh, uh cons- or poor construction and recently there were reports of yet another building in sydney deemed to be at risk of yeah. collapse yeah so can we expect to see more of this yes is the answer um you know david said on the 7:30 report last night that um that you know he had to start somewhere he started with developers to get the biggest impact um but his strategy or his officer's strategy is now to work through existing buildings um, mm. and, and fix these problems. Now, it's harder when the developer is, has gone broke or been wound up or is dead, um, but we're, we're getting to the stage now where he, I'm noticing a, a, a more intervention um, in the affairs and the decision-making of owners' corporations um, who may be in crisis, for example, mascot towers, um, or or know that they have a problem and are doing nothing about it. And uh, I think the, the you'll see in the not-too-distant future um, more intervention by David's office, now that he has more people and more resources, um, into the affairs of owners' corporations who are struggling, either because they're dysfunctional um, or um, obstinate and belligerent um, or just stupid. Um, and 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 irresponsible. So um, he's got the powers to um, to get involved and and force people to do things. And I think it's important for um, listeners to understand that when we're talking about the repair and maintenance of strata buildings, this is a fundamental, strict obligation um, that is set out in in the law. And and the obligation rests on the owners of the building. That is the individual members of the owners' corporation. The owner's corporation has the duty to repair and maintain property. So that makes living in an apartment fundamentally different to a house where 
you have a choice whether you fix the the subject uh. to public nuisance. Um, uh, but you know, so long as you're not causing a public nuisance, you you choose when you do your repairs and how you do them. Um, in Strata, that's not your choice, and that's one of the things that people don't get when they buy into Strata that that when you share walls and floors and ceilings and and facilities, there is a compromise, and the compromise is you don't get to say uh, when you when you fix your things, you have to fix them immediately they fall into disrepair. And the other thing about this duty is is that it extends to original defects caused by the developer and the builder. So in our state, uh, in New South Wales and, and elsewhere in Australia, the obligation is to fix it first, and you can sue later if you like, um, if there's anyone to sue, um, but the obligation is to fix first. Um, and that's something that I think that um, we don't speak enough about and people buying into Strata don't understand. It's part of the reason why Strata is is difficult. It's Look, there are so many threads we could pick up from just that in this conversation, but one thing that really popped into my mind, which I'd never considered before, and that is the obligation is there for all Strata owners for the you know, the life of the building, right? So say you buy into a building that's, say, 40 years old, they've got a history of low raising low levies with low uh, contribution to the capital funds, uh, capital works fund, and and they've avoided, um, you know, their obligations. So you've, you've got, like you said, ageing buildings. We have spoken with, I, was, I think it was Amanda Farmer we were talking about recently about the problem with ageing buildings. Um, you've got these ageing buildings and they've got big cost items are starting to come up that they have to deal with is there do you think there would be ever a situation where individual past owners could be sued for their lack of um their, their lack of attention in the past could there be a class action on this there could be um and that certainly happened in america like i'm thinking 20 20 odd years ago there was a spate of of litigation um where people were had taken action against those that had the duty to do something and didn't do it. Um, one of the complications of that in Australia is we have a caveat emptor system, a buyer beware. Mm. And so when people do a search or should do a search, they have the ability to do a search. They also have the ability to uh, um, uh, inspect the records. And, um, and so I think that would probably negate that class action because people would say, well, you knew what you were doing and, and you went ahead with the service anyway. Um, so, you know, it, it, we do have this, um, we do have this responsibility on the purchaser. Now that's very difficult because you can't, of course, unlike a house, you can't send a pest inspector or a building inspector out to see yeah. what's there. Um, you can't pull the walls off a, off a, you know, 30 story building and, and, and to try and discern what's there. So good books and records um, are important. Now, in most every building that I've ever had anything to do with, which is a lot, um, there's never adequate books and records, um, particularly about what, what was built. Um, developers, although they have the obligation to hand these things over, just haven't done it, and strata managers haven't insisted upon it. And, yeah. um, and so that's a problem. Again, David is addressing that in New South Wales by requiring those details to be handed before he gives an occupation certificate. There's no better time to get a developer to do something when um, they've uh. finished the job. <laughs> um, their debt Once is the, money. At, the debt is at, at peak levels, and, uh, yeah. and they haven't got their hands on the, the bucket of money. So, um, so that's a good initiative, and um, uh, it will make again, it will make a big difference for the people in the in the future. But for those 
you know, particularly with buildings built in the last 20 years, um, they, they have real problems knowing what they're dealing with. Michael, in the States, uh, UK, I think you said it's not too bad in France and Germany, but well, yeah, they got very, yeah, yeah, but they got similar building issues and, you know, how are they attacking um, yeah. these problems and, and uh, is there anything we can learn from these countries? Yeah, lots we can learn from America because their their schemes are bigger um, and um, oh, um, their their laws are, are different. In, in America, the board has much more power to do things than a committee does in Australia. Um, but the, the case, of course, that everyone's focusing on the moment is the Champlain Towers uh, South Tower, which um, um, was built in 1981. Uh, it collapsed, I think, in 21 um, and killed something like 192 people. Um, now... There's inquiries going on there, as you'd imagine, and, and the exact cause of that um, has not been determined yet. But what has been determined is that the grand jury investigating that has has made a finding that, that the owners' corporation there, the, the board, knew about these problems from 1996, oh almost my 25 God. years, um, and... Um, uh, a series of you know events occurred until such time as you know the ultimate tragedy. Um, now, the grand jury found that the repairs and maintenance were not being done on a regular basis. So it really is become the focal point for those of us working internationally on Australia issues. Um, and a lot of things have happened since that um, tragedy. Um, the first thing that's happened is that um, uh, the group of defendants um, and the net was cast very widely to include uh, people working on the site next door, um, the lawyers for the association, um, the security company that didn't have a proper functioning warning system in the building, um, and and a billion dollars was collected from those people for the um, for compensation for the those that lost large and property. But a series of laws have been um, implemented. I think at last count, something like eighteen states of the United States of America have introduced new laws as a consequence of that requiring inspections, and the laws vary um, from state to state, but generally requiring inspections at the 10-year mark, the 20-year mark, the 30-year mark, which are independently done and then must be funded and done. Now, that is going to cause a catastrophic um, incidence of insolvency um, where people are just not going to be able to afford um, to do their repairs. So, you know, watch this space for how that pans out. Mm. Um, but the other thing, it's not just a statutory response. In America, the uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who are the mortgage insurers, of so when a bank lends to someone to buy a condo, they insure that loan. And if they won't insure the loan, then the banks won't lend to people buying the condo. So at an individual purchase level, um, the insurers of the banks are now insisting that there be quite extensive due diligence of the, of the community or the artist association. Um, including things like, you know, give us a copy of the latest report. Has the have the repairs been funded? If the repairs haven't been funded, we're not giving you money. Um, if people are not paying their levies on time, we're not giving you money. If the board's not functioning and and meeting its um, KPIs and its obligations, we're not giving you money. So um, that is changing um, the way uh, and and changing the way people are behaving. <laughs> 
um, in a commercial way. So, so mm. there's both a statutory response and a financial banking uh, response that is um, driving change. Now, the, the impact of that, the the real cost of that, the where is that money coming from? It's going to come from owners. Where do owners mm. get it from? Their savings. If they can't get it from their savings, what happens? In America, unlike Australia, uh, a condominium board has the power to take your apartment off you if you don't pay um, and put wow. it up for sale. Um, so there's going to be um, a lot of blood shed and tears in America as a consequence of this. Um, will Australia follow? I think it will. I think it will. Um, I think there will be um, more intervention. Um, there has to be, otherwise we we have uh, we can't be allowing people to die in buildings. And uh, Veronica, as you mentioned, um, there's there's another, or I think at the moment there are 16 um, buildings with with orders published on the commissioner's website, which again is a very good thing. I think the naming and the shaming um, is a good thing. Now that some people are saying, well, that destroys value for those owners, and it probably does. Um, yeah. But you know that's got to be balanced against um, safety and the protection of people's rights and resources when they buy in. You should you should be able to um, know these things as part of your um, inquiries about making a, a purchase. Well, 100%. And, and, and it's a, been a real issue. It's quite difficult to do due diligence on a strata, business, a strata building anyway. Um, there's a lot of opacity of, of information. There's a lot of confusion as to what information should be expected to be disclosed yeah. versus what is yes. often disclosed. There's, as you mentioned, the record keeping is often uh, not as good as it could be. Um, and then you've got that, also the problem, yes, caveat emptor is great, but most, and I would say the lion's share, which is well over 90% of buyers, have no idea what they should be checking yeah. when they look at strata records. And so often they'll give it to their lawyer to check and the lawyer sometimes will not check it, but sometimes will. And even then, unless they're using somebody who does a lot of work in, stra in the strata space, they're unlikely to get somebody who can give them any valuable uh, commentary other than, oh, well, the sinking fund looks pretty healthy, uh, which is often all you hear, right? So, and often you know, quality. Yeah. If we were to look at Mascot Towers, for example, you yeah. know, that building was 12 years old when it started, or when it was, it was found to be sinking. Um, obviously, it started sometime before yeah. then. And that's obviously a tragedy for each individual owner. And you mentioned about banks in the US and, and insurers of the loans um, starting to cotton onto this. Are banks in Australia starting to cotton onto this risk of lending no, in some buildings? No, they're not. Um, they're, right. they're like rabbits in headlights. I mean, I, I can remember talking to the head of risk of Westpac. There it is. I've named them. Um, and... Um, at, at about the time of Grenfell, which of course, uh, sorry, Lacrosse, which was about um, right. uh, Claddagh. And yep. uh, I said, you know, you guys have got a 25% exposure, but, you know, if you look at NAB, ANZ, Westpac, Combank, yep. they're, you know, equally, you know, they've equally got equal exposures, I would have thought, to apartments around Australia. Um, and there are thousands of buildings in Australia that still have combustible cladding on yeah. um, that is, is a real risk to life and, um, and safety of property. And um, and they've just done nothing. They've just been completely and utterly. And so I think, sadly, it takes deaths um, to to get action. And and there is action in London because 
82 people died in Grenfell, and there's yeah. action in um, in Florida because I get the numbers wrong, but it's something like 192 mm. um, died in Florida. Um, we haven't had any deaths yet. And as a consequence, um, with the exception of New South Wales, which has done extraordinary work, both on cladding and on building defects and on changing building practices and micromanaging developers, um, there's been you know a scattergun approach amongst the rest of the states, um, some of which is just laughable. And um, I can't for the life of me understand why we can't in this country uh, as, a, as, as mature policymakers and legislators say, hey, gee, that guy over there has done something really smart. Let's copy that rather yeah. than reinventing the wheel. Um, or let's, you know, um, uh, let's, you know, beat our chest and say, oh, we've got a better idea. I mean, it is really pathetic. And and governments, when they do this, are, are playing with people's lives and they're playing yeah. with people's um, financial and mental health. You know, strata is now affecting people's mental health in a way that we've never seen before. And that's a consequence of... Um, of aging buildings, bad bad government regulation, um, and just the complexity, the increasing complexity of what people have to deal with when they sit down as a, a committee to make decisions. Michael, if the um, the idea from the US though is ten years, right? Ten years, twenty years, thirty years. You said the building has to have an independent. There's a number of different um, regimes in different states. Some have gone with twenty year inspections or thirty year inspections. Yeah, but you know the, the general principle is. That, that there's a regime now where at yeah. a point in time in the future's life of the building, there has to be a yeah. an independent study done um, and, and, and that has to be then actioned and funded. Um, we would have trouble in Australia even getting people to pay the fee of the person to do the independent study. I mean, these studies will be, you know, 20 and 30 or $40,000 mm. studies. Um, we're not yeah, talking okay. about, you know, a $700 yep. desktop um, report. Um so when when if and when these laws come, um, it will force um, a lot of um, good. But there will but be a lot that be of great for the building. Like if if you've got fabulous. a, you know, if fabulous. you've it'd be a bit of a you know, you know, cross your fingers time, right? The the strata yeah. organisers this. You know, maybe there's a bit of um dod dodginess in the Australian culture to do these reports dodgy as well. But um the yeah, but the, the strata company spends forty thousand dollars on a report. It comes back squeaky clean or with some very yeah. minor defects yeah. and there's trust in these reports then that's forty has been a great investment one of the things i'd like to see uh, before i'm finished is is a rating system for buildings yeah. you know, how good would it be to have a nabbers type system um for for yeah. buildings where you say you know um 128 um pennsylvania drive um has got uh, uh five stars because its committee meets every quarter there are good and robust debates there's diversity there's succession plans there's you know all these things that we expect of companies and not-for-profit organizations and government departments um, which we don't yet expect uh, of of strata schemes I wrote a book in 2015 about this very point where I said you know we we have these expectations of you know the scout organization and the and the and the golf club and the you know the way people behave and what the way they make decisions from a human rights point of view from a financial point of view and we don't expect that of the strata sector which is controlling over a trillion dollars worth of property in Australia and affecting the lives of you know one in 
four or one in five people in a direct way. It's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because if you do look at, uh, say, commercial buildings, right? So you've got high-rise commercial buildings. Some of them are strated, yeah, but generally speaking, they're, they're often owned by a single entity and they'll employ facilities managers who, um, you know, presumably yep. have qualifications in this space. Um, and, and they recognise that the building is an asset yeah. in itself. That's Whereas right. when you've got individual owners, they, they only think of their own unit as an asset. They're That's not necessarily yeah. thinking about the whole building. And, and certainly we read a lot of strata reports in our business. You know, we, we buy property for, for investors and owner-occupiers in Sydney. And those buildings that are run like corporations, are, they're wonderful to read the records. They're wonderful, you know. But the reality is that we have a problem that strata managers on the whole seem to be ill-equipped to manage complex structures such as high-rise apartments and executive committee members are unlikely to be skilled in this area. And there's still a pressure to keep levies low, yeah. which obviously can't help, you know. And so you've got this sort of individual mentality um, yes. contributing to really what is needs a very different way of thinking. Um, so I'm presuming that, you know, you're suggesting that if you if you legislate for this, I mean, like, I, I, I think that you have to start with an acknowledgement. Well, well, that's right. I mean, let me say a couple of things about that. I mean, I at one time I was a strat. I owned some strata management companies, and and I was also practicing law. So from um, you know seven in the morning until lunchtime, I worked as a lawyer, and from one o'clock in the afternoon till seven o'clock at night, I worked as a strata manager. And in the morning, I was paid seven hundred dollars an hour, and I was respected. No. In the afternoon, I was paid about seventy dollars an hour, and I was disrespected. No. Um, I even wore the same clothes. Um, and, um, you know, it was a really interesting time where you, you see that, you know, owners, um, owners have no, don't value strata management work. Now, is that the fault of the owners or is that the fault of the strata managers? Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about that and, and, and working on that problem. Um, I think owners need a wake up call and, and one of the things that I'm, big on at the moment is calling out owners who who are just not facing up to their responsibilities as as owners of property and owners of a particular type of property a collectively managed property yeah. um, and and you know because there is in this thing called an owner's corporation or a body corporate um, these people think that this is some sort of mythical being that that has a, a you know a responsibility to solve their problems you know they are the strata they are the strata and they are the problem. They own the yeah. problem. You know, Mascot Towers is an interesting example. You know, great sympathy for the people of Mascot Towers that they bought a dud. But that's what they did. They bought a dud. And 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 then they made some bad decisions about what to do with that. And yeah. that hasn't been featured uh, much in the press apart from some blogs that I've written um, that call them out on this and say, look, you know, after the evacuation, um, they went and borrowed something like $16 million on an unsecured basis at a very high interest rate and didn't fix the problem. Now, is, whose fault's that? Whose fault's oh, that? That, yeah. rests, that rests with them. They are four and a half years in. They're, they've never been united. Um, they've never been... All the, all the telltale signs are there. They chopped and changed advisors. They went down the path of going for a wind-up, which was never going to work. Yeah. They were either badly advised or they got the right advice and chose not to take it. You know, so 
so we have to, in as we sort of um, debate the future of strata in a pretty complex world, I think we have to really um, look at you know the people with the responsibility and say, well, you know, if, if you if you'd bought a unit and that had trebled in value because it was an exceptional buy. You're not lining up to give a third of your capital gain to the government, saying, "Yeah, you know, gee, that went better than I thought." You know, here's, a, you know, let me let me pay some additional tax, you know, because I'm a winner. Um, but when something goes wrong, when something goes wrong, there's there's gnashing of teeth and and wailing. Now, as I say, mascot tariffs is a terribly sad situation, but you have to look at the reaction as well as the action, and the yeah. reaction of those people has been a, a textbook case and how to make your situation worse. I'm on a personal mission to help more people make better property decisions. And you can find out all about what I'm working on at veronicamorgan.com.au. And there you'll find resources for first home buyers, details about my buyer's agent mentoring program, access to suburb help for investors, or if you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or lower north shore, you can connect with my team at Good Deeds Property Buyers. If you're thinking about buying your first home, upgrading to a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, we would love to carefully guide you through this journey and importantly get the finance right. Please reach out via our website wealthful.com.au. Don't forget that you can download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au I must read that blog, actually, because I haven't read it. Um, and this is the thing, though, that people assume it's easy to buy a property. You know, they assume that they only have to get the contract looked at, you know, get a strata report, get their finance sorted, and it's all good, tick, tick, tick. That they don't take appropriate, or they don't approach it with the, the appropriate risk uh, mitigation approaches, yeah. strategies, and and then like you say, they like to blame other people when it all goes wrong because that shouldn't have happened. Um, and so that's life. That that's unfortunately people don't like taking responsibility. This is what this podcast is all about. For those of you who like to take responsibility for your decisions, make good decisions. That you know. The information would have been out there if anybody wanted to dig enough. Uh, you know, they could. The question, the red flags would have been there. You know, I, I can't say categorically what information would have been there or not been there with mascot towers. However, I know I've read enough of the strata reports to know when there's stuff missing. You know, when there's there's red yeah. flags and things that you should be going. Oh, hang on a minute, this one doesn't smell good. But I think, with the exception of people who use buyers agents. Um, so if you buy uh, an apartment in the traditional way where you go to a real estate agent who's being paid by the vendor um, and you expect that person to tell you what's going on, that's your first mistake. Um, the second mistake is that they go then to a solicitor and screw the solicitor on the fee payable for the conveyance. Um, now, you know, unless you're paying two or $3,000 for your conveyance, no solicitor is looking at your contract. You know that is being dealt with as a that is being dealt with as a process. Um, you know, in in paper shuffling and button pushing. Um, no one's sitting down and telling you what you have bought. And and even if they were to do that, sadly, most lawyers um, don't know enough about the intricacies of strata to be able to explain. You know yeah. whether or not a sinking fund is adequate, or whether or not the 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 um, collective debt. Um, time outstanding is outside the norm because you know there, there's very few people that understand those things 
um, that. And then the strata inspection reports, you know, have become 300 pages of photocopied material because the strata inspector is only being paid $200 to do it. And having been paid $200 to do it, all you can do really is take pictures of documents and bundle them together and serve them up. So the lawyer gets the 300-page report or the purchaser gets the 300-page report. No one reads it. No one reads it. Um, and about you know three people a day ring me and say, what's this about? Um, and, um, and I'm not in the business of giving advice anymore, so I can't help them either. So you know that whole system is broken, terribly broken. Um, and the... Oh. I would. I just want to add something in there. I would caution people just to assume that the buyer, if you engage a buyer's agent, that they're going to do it. Because the problem is, if you there's a very low barrier to entry to becoming a buyer's agent. You go mm. and do your licensing course, uh, your cert four, and your diploma, and there is actually nothing in there about due diligence. Yeah. There's very little about strata and nothing at all about due diligence. Yeah. So, so you know, you could be getting a qualified buyer's agent who does not have the skills. So, be very, very careful about that. And so, these are, you know, but but I've given lectures um, to people and, you know, I've said, look, you're spending, you know, if you're buying an apartment in Sydney, it's hard not to spend a million dollars. You're spending, you know, a million plus. Um, why would you nickel and dime um, people about advice as to whether or not this thing is what it seems to be. Yep, and, 100%. and then I've had people come up to me and say, "Oh, is the Strata inspection report compulsory?" And I'm, no, it's not. Um, but you're an idiot. Uh, so you know, um, yeah. So um, it's it's frustrating. But but I do you know I I think if we are talking about cultural change uh, in 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 this sector, then we really need to be um, a little tougher on owners. And we need Man. to uh, we need to be batting back a bit. I'm starting to see in the chat group some strata managers. Re- I'm really I'm in a quite a spirited LinkedIn debate at the moment about the value proposition of of strata managers. Yeah. And really, there's some interesting stuff coming out there where you know leading strata managers are saying, "Look, you know we've been in we've we've gone back and looked at buildings that you know we've been managing for 20 years, um, and you know the fees stayed the same. Well, you know yeah. in 20 years." In what other, on what planet, yeah. um, on what planet do you think that's a good thing when the number of laws that have been passed that put responsibility on people is increased? You know, we have laws about window latches. We have laws about pool inspections and and, right. and the like, you know. Yeah. Um, and we're talking but about- But also just general costs of doing business as well costs. and wages, you know, they've no, gone and, up and in and that time. And the properties have, you know, yes. um, doubled or, mm. or then some. More um, in twenty people years. People trying to hold on to the strata management fee. Now, again, I, you know, does that problem rest with owners? Does it rest with strata managers? Um, I don't know, but it's got to be attacked. And and for the forty years that I've been involved in strata, um, strata managers and their various associations have been talking about this problem, um, but they have not fixed it. They have not fixed it. They have not come close to fixing it. So well, it's. The the shortage of dwellings in this prop in this country is probably going to force it to a head because this the the fact is and I know a lot of people will say I don't want to buy strata because I don't want to pay levies right so there's this perception that the levies are just an added cost that's right yeah they don't understand you know that's like saying you know I, I I'm not going to buy a house because I don't want to have to pay to get the lawn mowed yeah I don't want to make repairs I don't, I don't want to fix the roof if it leaks you know. It is just so, um, I don't know, maybe 
maybe it's about language. Maybe we shouldn't call it levies. Maybe we should call it, you know, um, owners. Fee. Ongoing investment. <laughs> yeah, or something. I don't know, but but yeah, there is this um, there is this crazy notion that, um, and I always sort of you know make this point when I'm talking to strata managers. You know, if you're a strata manager, don't put your logo on the levy notice. You know, you wonder why these people think you're getting all the money. Well, you put your logo on it. You know, that's funny. Don't, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> you know, this is this is their bill for their property. Dumb. Um, uh, you know, so I think it's simple things like that that make a difference. So, Michael, you said the um, doing the the you know the regular sort of big reviews, independent reviews, is one thing. I mean, an amazing portal where all the buildings got rated. I think that would be yeah, you know, a bit fact. of a nirvana, right? It's it's you know, particularly that said, the developer when it was built, and then the developers all yeah. got ranked, and you could create some. But I mean, what other things are happening? I mean, what are the UK doing? I mean, what are some sort of low hanging yeah. fruit that we should go. Is it really blacklisting buildings? I mean, should we yeah. be, you yeah. know, strata owners, or if they hear about, you know, strata managers, should strata managers be obligated to to highlight the buildings that they're managing that are at extreme risk? I don't know. Where do you where do you go? I don't think we can put any more on strata managers. There, there. It's a tough job. They're not paid properly. Um, they're hated. Um, no one wakes up in the morning and thinks, God, my strata manager did a great job. I'm going to ring them today and tell them they're fabulous. You know, it yeah. just doesn't happen. Same as property managers, really, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I think, um, Chris, to your point about um, what do we do, blacklisting buildings, or, or you know, I think that's what we're starting to see with with the building commissioner in New South Wales having a list of buildings where, at least in relation to defects, um, uh, that is being publicised. Um, New Zealand has a much better system than us, where you can access reports, statutory reports about compliance of buildings and it's free and it's free data and that of course um puts some puts some consequences to the poor decisions of strata owners yeah. you know if you say no i'm not getting a building safety report or i'm not getting a work health and safety report or i'm not getting an upgrade on this or that you know that then shows up and people can make some decisions and market forces um will drive better behavior um so i think that's a system worth looking at in England, um, the government there, particularly in relation to cladding and building safety issues, has taken a very hard line with developers and basically wrote to them and said, if you don't fix your buildings, you will never build in London again. <laughs> um, and it's just, you know, um, it's just quite, quite um, logical, really, when you think about it. And, um, and they've sort of even pierced the corporate bail. So they're not talking about, you know, um, particular companies that are special purpose vehicles they're looking at the uh. guiding minds behind these companies and saying listen um you know we, we don't care what what vehicle you use to build your thing we know it's part of your group and <laughs> if you don't fix this um and and has produced a contract for them to sign um committing to fixing it now um that's a very logical step in a way david chandler is doing that by calling in developers and and making them accountable but hasn't yet got that that next step of saying if you don't fix it you won't build here again um, so um you know lots of things happening around the world um it would be good if we could pick some of those and and implement them um we, talk, we talked about you know you said don't put the requirement on the on the strata manager to basically declare whether the building uh has is on the blacklist or not but it could be material fact. 
I mean, oh, it, it is. It is a material fact. Yeah. So, but in term, but in terms of property law, is it is it deemed as a material fact that needs to be disclosed to potential buyers? Yes. Well, there's a statutory form um, that um, you you purchase when you when you go to buy a unit, or you're given when you go to buy a unit. But that form is given by the owner's corporation. It's not given by the strata manager. The strata manager does that as a paid agent of the owner's corporation. When is that given, though? Is that given during the settlement period? Um, it varies in different states. It can be given um, prior to um, uh, contract or it can be given after contract in different places. Um, and you can also apply for an update of that statement um, prior to settlement. So, you know, right. you, should be, you should be getting an update of that state. But when you look at it, um, and I did, a, I did a study on this a number of years ago, which I should pull out. Um, when you look at the questions that the government pose in the statutory form, um, they're not the right questions. <laughs> they're, they're, they're things that um, double up on the disclosure that you're getting from the vendor. You know, what's mm. the name of the owner's corporation? What lot number are you buying? What are the unit entitlements? Well, you get all of that elsewhere. The questions yeah. that should be asked are, um, is your building about to fall over? Um, mm. You know, um, can you have a dog? Um, yes. Yeah. What are the rules about dogs? Um, but but more to the safety issues, there should be, you know, do you know if you have any cladding? Um, not have you got cladding, but do you know? You know, yeah. have you asked the yes. question? Have you asked the question? You know, these are the these are the 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 really intelligent things that could be in um, a disclosure statement, um, and they're not um, because it's just not been thought through. But this, this is not a prescribed document in the contract to sale in New South Wales. So I'm I'm presuming that it's part of the um, requisitions on title uh, after exchange contracts. So um, it's a little bit late by then because you can't get out of it if you yeah. don't like what you find. Well, it's the um, certificate that tells you whether your levies are up to date or not. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, the people you I forget what the I'm not a I don't do conversion, yeah. never have. But yeah. I, um, but I. I forget the name of the form, but but it's that it's that form. Yes. It's that form that is the opportunity for there to be real um, owners' corporation disclosure. And you know, my point, and I made this point to John Minns, the Strata Commissioner, um, recently. Um, that form is low hanging fruit. That form is a way of making owners' corporations accountable for their own behaviour. You know, if it's the owners' corporation that is issuing the certificate. Um, they then got it. Then has the burden. It's a separate legal entity. The owners' corporation has the burden to disclose or not disclose these things. Then we could have to really ha start having some accountability um, mm. when they don't disclose it. But it's got to be disclosed prior to signing contract, though. Well, settle. Even if even if it was disclosed prior to settlement, um, the, the isn't that answers, too late? Because well, you can't get out may, of it. The answers may give an ability to to rescind a contract, but. Um, in any event, yes, it's probably best to give it beforehand. But, but you know, one of the things about strata and, and um, an academic recently wrote a paper about this, which I thought was great. Nobody really cares if owners don't do the right thing. There's no consequence for owners' mm. corporations. You know, you've got to have a sinking fund report. Great. You know, get you know, I'll get many my brother, don't. Yeah, I get my brother-in-law to do it on an Excel spreadsheet. You know. Mm. He's a taxi driver, so he'll know heaps about it. Um, you know, there, there's there's no consequence for owners' corporations not 
other than for a lot owner to drag someone through to the NCAT or the VCAT or the QCAT. And, and that takes money and, and energy. And, but, you know, there's no real consequence for owners corporations that do the wrong thing. And, you know, that, that can't continue. So we need to find ways to make them accountable. Um, now, the Strata Hub is a start in that direction. The Strata Hub in New South Wales is, I think, the, 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 the foot in the door um, that, that will be used to, you know, require more information to be made publicly available about the inner workings of an owner's corporation. So that's a good thing, um, but it's got a long way to go before it's providing things that are really useful. The disclosure statement is one that um, is a really easy thing for government to do, to say, well, listen, yeah. you know, um, the people that are making the decision should be um, held accountable um, and forced to communicate what decisions have been made. The only final question I probably had on this is, do you think that, you know, if we get, rather than waiting for deaths, right, um, you know, because deaths are going to obviously get people to take action, right? The government will take it serious if it's all over the front page and they, they get some votes if they take action on it. But should we just try to, uh, you know, force people to lose money? I know you said that you know, Mascot Tower is an example, right? But if we started blacklisting buildings and banks started not lending on blacklisted buildings until they, or lending at a much lower LVR to protect yeah. themselves. It's then yeah. building values would drop for people who aren't taking care of their buildings, which would yep. then increase again yeah, if yep. they were taken off the registers. So, yeah, do you I know, agree. like, it, and the banks don't want to obviously because they obviously usually, you know, but they might have lower well, they, they don't the want building, to devalue you know. the book that's in that building already, you know. <laughs> but if they think about it collectively, they go, well, you know, the total loan on this building is six hundred million, and the building's yeah. worth eight hundred million. Yeah. Then we're probably still okay. We've got some with low LVRs. Um, we lose on that sure. one but you know so I th yeah i think there's do you think that finance is because it sounds like america's doing something similar there um if you cut finance into buildings you cut the values and then people will start caring because they can't sell it um well even, anywhere even near in what america it's not actually it's not actually the banks that's driving it it's the insurers of the banks that are driving it it's the insurers of the mortgage it's the mortgage insurance industry that's driving it um yeah. um look you know what you're talking about chris is 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 requires a lot of courage um, and, and I don't see a lot of courage from Australian banks. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, Very true. I, yeah. I, I don't see it. I don't see it coming there. Um, I was hopeful that, you know, on the cladding issue, insurance, strata insurance may have dri driven, um, change, but it didn't because all the strata insurers did was say, well, we, we insure you, but not for cladding. Um, so, you know, they, they have taken the premium, but not the risk. And uh, and that risk yeah. still sits with the with the owners. So insurers haven't delivered it. Banks won't deliver it. I think um, um, I think we need to to change culture in the same way that culture has been changed or is changing in the development sector. Um, we need culture to change in the Boo. in the strata ownership sector, and that requires very strong leadership from government and industry. One of um, David Chandler's uh, initiatives was around sort of putting together a package to help or assist buildings to uh, get rid of their, their inflammable cladding and replace yeah, it. But yeah. I understand the take-up of that was it's been pretty poor. very low. And and from my understanding, that's because the owners didn't – they're still waiting for the government to kick it, you know, to, to yeah. tip in there. 
well, the money, know, and it's like, well, you got to pay for it, guys. So you know, we'll help you. We'll give you some some uh, assistance here, but you still got to yeah. pay for it. So I cannot believe. I mean, I wouldn't sleep well at night if I was living in a building that had that in the outside. Okay. I, I give this lecture. You know, when you drive to Alexandria, when you drive to the airport, just look at all those shiny buildings in there. Yeah, and and one square meter of that shiny stuff um, is the equivalent of of five and a half liters of petrol. Jesus. So just imagine, just imagine a whole bunch of red petrol containers, mm. five liter petrol containers stuck to the side of the building. Now I'm not sleeping there. Um, no I'm not way. God no. There. I'm not having my tenants sleep there. I don't want members of my community sleeping there. Um, but you know, mm. but we haven't done anything because, and it just comes down to this one point. Uh, we could talk about cladding for another forty-five minutes and more, but it comes down to this one point: the local, the the, the state, the, the federal government kicked the responsibility for that down to the states. The states have all um, um, reacted differently, but ultimately, what they've done is they've kicked it down to the municipal councils, to the local authorities, and said, "You guys go and do." Um, inspections and audits and tell people what they should do without there being any funding for that. Um, so, you know, you've got one or two guys or girls or ladies or people or days um, in a in a local council um, yeah. responsible for this. They don't know what to do and they're issuing or they're not issuing. Um, um, now, when someone dies, um, that officer um, is going to have a, a, a camera put in their face and they're going to have to explain why they didn't do their job, um, and and that's what cladding comes down to. Um, you know, we we have not forced owners um, to remove the cladding, um, and the owners won't do it until they're forced to. They're not going to. They're not going to kick the can. Uh, you know, it, they're not going to pass the hat around and spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars fixing a problem if. Um, mm -hmm. Until they're ordered to do so. Um, it's just until they're ordered astounding. to do so. So, um, to, we're going to ask you about your Dumbo in a moment. <laughs> I suspect there's going I wonder what that will be. Um, but before we do that, at the beginning of this conversation, you did say that we're doing actually pretty well compared well, to the rest of the world. So, like, so we're, and then we've just talked about all the terrible things. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. what, just very quickly, what ways are, are <laughs> where's well, the hope? Well, the hope is, you know, and, and, People like me study the worst cases. You know, I spent 30 years practicing law and I, you know, no one comes to you and pays the fees that I was then charging um, to tell you their good news story. So, uh, you know, I think people um, like me and lawyers and academics and commentators, we see the worst of the worst. Um, there's a whole bunch of people out there that um, have got good, strong community leadership within their buildings and are doing the best they can um, and, you know, are solving problems every day and and getting on with it and you know there's the small minority it's it's the same in the tuck shop and it's the same at the golf club you know um 20 of the people do 80 percent of the work um and it's the same in in well-functioning strata committees um so i think we do that well we have a system which um clearly defines responsibility and that's better than some countries um we don't have the split system of you know freehold and leaseholders that that is plaguing London at the moment. So I think there's a lot of structural things we do well. Um, the way we um, uh, protect in investors um, to a certain extent from bad developer practices in setting up strata. So there's a lot of good things we do, and there are a lot of people that um, you know manage to get by. 
Um, what I'm saying is that, you know, because of a complete, a whole range of world issues, um, like the environment, sustainability, aging of population, aging of buildings, um, inflationary pressures, interest rate pressures, we've got, and building defects, you know, when we, when we open the, 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 the borders um, to imports, um, we created a, a you know, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of building products coming into the country every day. Try to keep track of that and try to keep laws about the information about how that product's to be used and when it's to be used and when it's not to be used. Yeah. It's all very difficult. So we have a really complex time for people to be looking after their own affairs. And government further government intervention, um, I think, is, is inevitable. Um, but that comes at a cost to the taxpayer. Um, and and a, a, I think parallel with that, I'd like to see cultural change. Got it. It starts with these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's a really interesting, it's, quite, it's a very thought-provoking conversation. So do you have an example of a property dumbo? So we can wrap this up with a, with a, with a nice lesson that we can perhaps learn from somebody's... I'll give the generic dumbo. Right. Um, the generic dumbo, I think, is the person that spends... A couple of million dollars on an apartment, um, but doesn't um, get the right advice from the right people, and and nickel and dimes people to do a, to 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 get them into a to do a, a form filling process. Mm. And what they really need is is considered opinion. Um, uh, you know, I think yep. that's the, that's the number one problem. Um, you know, they go in they go in um, as lambs to the slaughter. Um, and and don't take enough effort. Now there are steps you can take. You can look up ICERT development um, codes. You can look, you know, just Google your developer, Google your builder, um, have a look at um, the building commissioner's stop work orders. You know, there are there are things that can be done and should be done by um, competent and well advised purchasers um, that start the process. You know, at least going in with your eyes open, and probably you know, um, stay away from anything that's not more than twenty years old. <laughs> you know, that might be the best solution. Scary, isn't it? Right. <laughs> we are, we actually in it, valued your business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not no, at all. We're, 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 we, you, you're preaching to the converted there, right? We um, yeah, we uh, have been talking about this for years and years. Pre any issues in mascot, pre you know, yeah. all the way back. 2013, 14, etc. So we um we totally get that, and um, yeah, I, only, I think the challenge is large, old strata. <laughs> the problem is the good buildings, the older ones, twenty years old, are starting to get out of reach for a lot of people, and you know they're starting yeah. to have to make more and more compromises and yeah. um and locations, and yeah, you know, we're seeing some issues at the moment with LVRs, like um postcode LVRs, and good properties in good you know yeah. in areas that uh, have got high density are, yeah. are basically getting tarnished good buildings are getting yeah. tarnished by poor buildings um yeah and uh so a blanket dank way is not really dank street sydney is a great example of that which one yeah dank street you know the dank yeah. street developments there's some great developments there that just get caught up in agree and I'm, i might happen to own a unit in one of them but um yeah it's um, it's, it's a shame because um you know there's terrific buildings yep. there that have been well looked yep. after and are past their their problem stage you know they're in the, the you know they're, they're into their 20s and um, they've been through all of that and they've been fixed and well looked after. 
Yeah. Maybe technology will solve these things, right? Um, you know, big data okay. and all that. And uh, maybe we can we can get some better answers. But I really appreciate the chat, Michael. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a conversation that's ongoing, but you know, it sounds like it is going slightly in the right direction. But um, yeah. There's so many aspects to it. It's um, it's it's quite fascinating. Yeah, well, we would love to get you back a- at a future time to dig in some of those other aspects as well. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate this. Our listeners, I'm certain, will find this uh, conversation fascinating. And, you know, not to scare you off strata, it's just to be very, very discerning as to what you're buying. Exactly. Quick postscript for this uh, episode. After we finished filming and recording, Michael came back to us and said that he'd actually made an error in the amount of people that died in that uh, apartment building collapse in Florida. He wanted to correct the record to say 98 people died. A terrible, terrible tragedy, but he did get the number wrong, so he wanted listeners to know that. Thanks for tuning in. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer in an upcoming Q&A episode, you can send us a voicemail or written question via the website, theelephantintheroom.com.au, or you can email us directly at questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars would be great. I know that sounds a bit cringy, but we have it on good authority that every review helps make it easier for other people to find out about us and hear what our amazing guests have to say.